Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody and welcome once again, and it hasn't even been a fortnight, it's only been a week this time, one short week, but this is episode number 143 of Linux in the Ham Shack, yay, yay, and we are once again Peteless, we are sans Pete, uh, we are without Pierre, as the saying goes, so anyway... Uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX, your host for the evening, and with me as, well, recently always, is Cheryl, across the desk from me. (laughs) Hello, everyone. So, we will carry on once again without Pete. Someday we'll figure out what's going on with him. We know he's been on Facebook, so our fears that he was eaten by a bear seem to be somewhat unfounded. Unless if the bear is Facebooking. Well, that's true. The bear could be Facebooking in his place, which would be rather odd. You know. But uh, so far, we think he's alive, um, and unless we find out otherwise, we'll just continue with that assumption. But that being said, we have uh, a show to do, and that being said, let's do the show. Yay. All right, so we do have a couple of ham radio news stories we want to get to right off the top here, and because you were the one to find these stories, I'm going to go ahead and let you read the first one. Yay. Yay. Okay, so the first one is FAR announces a new cutoff date for their scholarship applications. And FAR is the Foundation for Amateur Radio, and they've moved up their deadline to April 15th to apply for the 2015-2016 academic year scholarships that it administers. Applicants must hold a valid amateur radio license and be enrolled or accepted for for enrollment at an accredited university uh, or college or technical school. You know, you get a preferred application method is online, but you can also mail in uh, your application. And if you know someone that's headed to school that has a radio license, I'm sure they'll happily give them anywhere from 500 to $5,000. So you should definitely... Uh, visit that and get somebody submitted for that and the info for that of course is in the show notes well it's not in the show notes yet but it well, will no, be in will the show be. notes. right yes, that's yeah. right and harrison is in the chat room so he knows that every time we say this information will be in the show notes that he's supposed to be doing something for us <laughs> so <laughs> i have not actually heard of the foundation for amateur radio but this is very cool and i'm glad that they are are doing this and giving out scholarships for folks I don't know if you, like, bothered to check into the story, but it does it give any information on the guidelines that you need to submit for No, that's, that's pretty well everything that was there. There is also another scholarship that I found when I found this through the AR Newsline. Apparently, they offer some sort of scholarship as well. I gather that's just for a person, um, and apparently it is based on the amount of radio work. I guess you've done in the last year. Well, so. so the application process must indicate some sort of 
spec you know where you have to specify how much work you've done or how much amateur radio you've done i guess i could probably qualify for that scholarship which would be useful if i was going to school <laughs> well the air newsline one is limited to people under i believe 19 or 20 so oh well. this one i don't know that it had any age i didn't see one of course i was kind of in a hurry well i was under so. 20 half a lifetime ago more than half a lifetime yeah ago. more than half a lifetime because you're old <clears throat> that's right i am now old i'm officially old all right, well, that's cool. Anyway, so you can probably Google for ham radio and scholarships and find out all of the ones that are available to you. So if you happen to be a ham radio enthusiast, which you probably are if you're listening to this show, and you happen to be a younger ham radio enthusiast, which we highly encourage. Like uh, Harrison. That's right, like Harrison. Check out, well, he's in the he's in Canada. I don't know if this applies to anything Anywhere outside of the United States. Right. You know, if you're pursuing your higher education, definitely check this out because that's getting more expensive every year and every little bit will help. So you also found this other article called First Systems Fusion Forum will be at the Dayton Hamvention. And it's the first Yezu System Fusion Forum to be at the Dayton Hamvention this year in 2015. It's been scheduled for 1030 in the morning, Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday, May 17th in Forum Room 1. So this is as Hamvention will be winding down for this year. Planners will be working with the Yezu and HAMS active in the system fusion community to schedule the agenda by mid-March. In the meantime, you can learn more about system fusion and the forum planning by joining the system fusion group at tinyurl.com slash learn-system-fusion. Now, I actually don't know anything about system fusion. I assume this is some sort of Yezu technology, so I'm going to take a brief, quick look up what this is. Yeah, that will take you to like a Yahoo group, and I didn't... I didn't learn much while I was there, but of course, I don't have a license or anything, so... Well, we're going to rectify that one of these days. Apparently, let's see, here's a PDF about it, Yezu System Fusion, and let's see, it has to do with the DR1 digital repeater, FT1DR and DE handheld transceivers, a couple mobile transceivers, and the HRI 200 internet network system. Wow, this thing looks interesting. Lots of cool devices that go along with system fusion, but it's not clear from this PDF what it actually is. It says conventional FM has a number of excellent features that continue to provide substantial advantages over digital modulation, such as low battery consumption and greater distance capability. Conventional FM communications on the VHF and UHF bands will continue to be in the mainstream communication method for ham radio in the future. Digital modulation provides a wide range of advantages by enabling the exchange of more complex information, resistance to radio interference, and better audio quality. You can discover a completely new side to amateur radio that was never before possible with conventional FM systems. So apparently System Fusion refers to a Yezu technology that integrates digital uh, modulation modes with UHF and VHF ham radio communications. So... If you want to check that out and find out more about System Fusion, you can go to www.yezu.com slash PDF slash system underscore fusion underscore text dot PDF, which is what I was just reading to you from. It gives a list of all of the hardware that you can use with System Fusion and a map of how all of that hardware integrates together. Uh, in a nice little two- or three-page document that you can download off the web. So if you're interested in System Fusion, check it out. And if you are really interested and happen to be at Hamvention this year in Dayton, there's a forum on Sunday morning. So related to this story on Hamvention, we have our own story about Hamvention, and that is that our Hamvention Indiegogo campaign 
ended late last night at midnight Pacific time, which is 2 a.m. Eastern time, and much later than that in eastern parts of the world. We managed to get up to $780 in contributions, but that was not anywhere near what we needed to actually make the trip out to Dayton this year. So unfortunately, we will not be at Dayton for a sixth straight year, which is you know disappointing to us and probably disappointing to the people who listen to the show, but unfortunately, there's not much we can do about it. Bringing Linux in the Ham Shack to the Hamvention is a very expensive proposition, and you know, as we discussed last year, we cannot foot that bill ourselves anymore. Our listeners were, you know, most kind and generous to provide enough money for us to go last year. But unfortunately, times are apparently a little harder this year, and we didn't quite make our goal. So we won't be there, but we will give this a run again in 2016. And we hope that uh, everyone who attends Hamvention this year has a great time and enjoys the show, and it's as good as it always is. And we are going to do our darndest to get there in May of 2016. If we see you there in 2016, we will. If we don't, we don't. But we hope Hamvention 2015 is a great show. Now, since it's only been seven days since our last recording, we don't really have a whole lot to add in the ham radio area of our program. So we're going to move straight on into the Linux topics for tonight. One interesting story I found um, in the Linux world is this new Bluetooth configuration for Linux Mint. Linux Mint, as we all know, is one of the distributions that we tout here at Linux in the Ham Shack because it's very pretty to look at and it's very easy to use. It comes in two variants, one that's based on Debian and one that's based on Ubuntu. And there's a new utility or a redesign of an old utility called Blueberry, just like the fruit, Blueberry. And what this is, is a new overlay on the Bluetooth configuration tool. The story that I read says Linux Mint has always been at the forefront of making elegant tools for users. Now the Linux Mint developers have come up with a better Bluetooth configuration utility called Blueberry. Blueberry will first ship in Linux Mint Debian 2 before being added to other versions of Linux Mint. And there are actually several references and reviews about this new tool. Uh, the links to those you know, articles and those reviews will be in the show notes, of course, as they, you know, should be. I'm trying to find a specific piece of information I was looking at earlier. Okay, part of the review on OMG Ubuntu says, the utility has been designed to be simple and to run outside of Linux Mint just as easily as in running Cinnamon on Fedora. It will allow Linux Mint users to set up and manage their Bluetooth mice, keyboards, and other extras quickly and easily and offer smarter integration with the underlying system and desktop environment. Now, this will be based on the other Bluetooth configurators on the back end that already exist, like the GNOME Control Center for Bluetooth and other utilities that exist in Debian and Ubuntu and Linux Mint. But the new overlay is getting rave reviews by the people who have looked at it so far. And so for those folks who are running the Linux Mint Debian version, the newer one, which will be coming out shortly, uh, and then propagating into the Ubuntu versions, presumably, will get a new look at a Bluetooth configurator, which is always good because the ones as they exist now, they're usable and you can certainly configure your Bluetooth devices with them, but they're not, they don't look that good. And there's a lot of button pushing and a lot of sort of esoteric information that you don't really need. I'm personally looking forward to a decent Bluetooth configurator. And one nice thing about this new one is if you don't have to, if you don't happen to have 
a Bluetooth adapter, it doesn't bother you about configuring Bluetooth devices because it knows you don't have an adapter and it doesn't show itself to you in that instance. So useful new tool. And if you're a Linux Mint user, and I know a lot of our listeners are, this should come in handy. I found a new distribution that I wanted to touch on briefly, and it's a distribution called LXLE. And this is a distribution that's actually based on Lubuntu, which is the LXDE version of Ubuntu. It's actually very nice. One of the things they tout is the fact that they are useful on older hardware. In fact, uh, the tagline for LXLE.net is revive that old PC. They base all of their distributions on LTS versions of Ubuntu. So currently they have 12.04.5 and 14.04.1 available because the only distributions they released are based on LTS versions. I downloaded the 64-bit version via torrent earlier today so I could install it in a virtual machine environment just to see how quick and easy and you know useful-looking this distribution actually is. And it turns out that it's actually very usable. It, it's uh, When I fired it up in my virtual machine environment, I actually was using VirtualBox on a Linux host. And it starts up with a typical Grub screen. And you have two useful options. The first one is to run it in live DVD mode, which is what I did at first. And the other is to do an install. In live DVD mode, it actually comes up amazingly fast. And I was using the latest version, which is based on 14.04 of Ubuntu. Uh, it fires up like within, you know, 30 seconds or so in my virtual machine environment. And I only gave it one gig of RAM and 10 gigs of hard disk space. It does actually recommend that you have more than 10 gigs of hard disk space to do an install. It requires 7.6, I believe, is what the installer said. So you want to have, you know, a, at least a you know, 16 gig solid state or something larger to install this on. Uh, but any older machine that's got, you know, at least like a 20 gig hard drive should work. It was super fast out of the box, even running in live mode. It's beautiful, which is something that's unusual for me to say, particularly about the LXDE desktop environment, because I don't particularly like it. But they have actually made the LXDE environment usable in a way that actually fits the way I like to work on my desktop environment. So this is something that I might actually try putting on the couple of netbooks that we have here because it's definitely lighter weight and much, much faster than a typical Ubuntu distribution. Right now we're running Ubuntu Mate on them, which is okay. But judging by how fast this thing will run, I can't wait to check it out. One thing I discovered sort of by accident is that it has the left side taskbar from Unity in the desktop environment, but it's hidden by default, so you don't even see it. And it's very unobtrusive, so I didn't mind it so much. And Unity was one of the big problems I've always had with Ubuntu. But this LXDE version seems to do it in a way that's not obtrusive and actually makes it look very nice. And its default configuration has one taskbar across the bottom, which is sort of GNOME 2 style. Uh, it's very user-friendly. It's right-click sensitive, so it has all of the options you need right at your fingertips. Uh, has beautiful desktop wallpaper artwork, if that kind of thing is important to you. Everything you need to see, like your network configuration, your trash can, your start menu, 
uh, desktop switcher, launchers, and all of that stuff is presented to you uh, in the desktop bar right off, you know, right away. And even running it in live mode, if you just wanted to fire something up and have something running on your machine, you wouldn't even have to do anything else. You don't even have to do the install. It is so functional and so quick right off the boot CD that it isn't even necessary to install it. Just, you know, particularly if you have a machine that um, doesn't have a lot of onboard space, but you have a external USB drive where you want to store any of your work and stuff like that, you could do that easily with LXLE. So I am going to take this for a real true test run and update, you know, all of you on my experience with LXE, LXLE on a future episode because I really like this thing. And the fact that it's based on Ubuntu means it's also based on Debian, which means all of the ham radio stuff that's in the repos will be available for this distribution. It really looks like it could be super functional, particularly for a ham shack computer, because a lot of hams like to use older hardware for their ham shacks. And something that runs as quickly as this and can be up and running as fast as this with the power of the Debian you know, repositories behind it, Plus, as elegant as it looks for being LXDE, was actually shocking to me. It really looks nice. And uh, I can't wait to play with it some more because if it's as good as it looks on the surface and actually as functional as it seems, it's probably going to be my, no, my new go-to Hamshack distribution. And if I ever get around to building like a Linux in the Hamshack actual distro on something, this might be the thing to build it on because it's very fast, it's very sleek, it's very quick to get running and uh, has all of that stuff available on the back end straight out of the box. So definitely something to look for. And if you uh, like to distro hop and like to play around and have a virtual machine environment or a spare piece of hardware you want to try, uh, give LXLE a go. And that's at LXLE, uh, Lima X-Ray, Lima Echo dot net, November Echo Tango. So that's a quick, quick look at LXLE, uh, something that I think is... Uh, beautiful and and really could be something going forward something that uh, we here at linux and the hamshack might want to uh, pursue and recommend to uh, listeners of the program so i wish we had pete here to do some like point counterpoint but we don't so i guess well (laughs) i guess i can shut up for two seconds while i move on to the next story you're doing excellent yeah except you need to stay all right gonna take a quick break uh, one second here while I uh, take care of some stuff in the studio and we'll be continuing again. Okay, back to it. I don't usually have to do this much talking because I'm missing a co-host. So. You survived last week. I did survive last week, but we had more news type stories that you could sort of help me out with. Now I've got most of the stories that I have to talk about myself, such as it is. Oh, well, we press on as soon as I get another drink. Ah, tasty. Scotch and cola. Gotta love it. All right, so with that, we're going to move on to our Linux. Well, actually, let me check the audio levels, make sure I'm still recording everything. This would be a good idea. Yes, I'm still recording. This okay. is good. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from our Linux topics to our Linux in the Hamshack segment. I only have one topic in this segment tonight, but it's something I wanted to spend a little bit of time on, and that is the recent release of version 0.2 of PyQSO. This is, of course, a Python-based uh, logging application. It's cross-platform because it's written in Python, so it will technically run on any platform that supports Python. So for you Mac users, you Windows users, and you 
Linux users, which should be all of you at this point, Linux users, you can run PyQSO. Now, I have not found any binary distribution of PyQSO so far, so you will have to download the source code. Now, source code is kind of a mis, uh, a misnomer for this because it's written in Python, so the source code is actually the language of the application. So when you download it, I had one little niggle, I guess you could say, with the download, is that the download is named v0.2.tar.gz. It doesn't actually tell you what the name of the application is. Once you extract the archive, it's actually under the PyQSO directory, which is great. But it would be nice if the download was actually labeled PyQSO-0.2.tar.gz or whatever, just so you know exactly what your file is, because... If you download this thing and keep it on a hard drive somewhere and come back to it six months later, you're going to be wondering what the hell is that application that's sitting on my computer because it's not labeled. But I'm sure that can be easily remedied. Anyway, the installation procedure is super simple because you don't actually have to install it. You can just download the file, extract the archive, change directory to the bin directory inside the archive, and then run it directly from there. The application's name is PyQSO, P-Y-Q-S-O. The only thing you have to be careful of is that you have all of the dependencies available in order to run all of the features. Now, on my particular system, I had most of the dependencies already installed. I did get a couple of warnings because I was running it from the command line about certain Python libraries that were not installed on my system. Those particular libraries were matplotlib, M-A-T-P-L-O-T-L-I-B, and the MPL Toolkits uh, Python libraries. But those are actually simple app-get installs away on your Debian or Ubuntu-based system. You have the python-matplotlib file and the python-mpltoolkit.basemap file. You can uh, apt-get install both of those, and that brought my system up to a point where it was almost fully functional, because there was one other problem that I noticed, and that there was a call to a module load in the grayline Python script for doing uh, grayline map calculation that apparently required a module that was only in the Python 3 module libraries and I am running Python 2.7 on my particular machine. So everything worked on my computer. I was able to launch the application just fine, but Grayline didn't work because it could not load that particular library. And I am actually running an older version of Debian. I'm running Debian 7. whatever the current version of 7. is, which apparently does not support Python 3 because it's the stable branch. If you're running Jesse or Sid, which are the advanced branches, the unstable or the testing branches, they do actually support Python 3. And if you have Python 3 installed in your system, you will have all of the features of PyQSO available. I actually was able to get everything running using Python 2.7, but uh, the gray line stuff. I've already sent a message off to Christian Jacobs, who is the author of PyQSO, to find out if Python 3.0 is actually a requirement or if he might actually 
put some code in, or I could actually probably put some code in that checks to see if uh, you're only running 2.7 and then load the appropriate modules. I don't know if the function he's trying to load for the gray line map is actually only available in Python 3, but when I find that out, I will definitely provide that information, whether on an upcoming show or via the show notes. One way or the other, when I find out, you'll find out. We actually mentioned PyQSO when it was first released, the version 0.1 release, when it came out of beta back in episode number 117 of this program. So that was quite a while ago now. So it's nice to see this new version. Uh, There are several bug fixes that have been made. There are several feature improvements that have been done. And I actually got the thing running, fired it up. Oh, and by the way, if you want to actually install it, all you have to do is in the root directory of the extracted archive, just do a sudo make install. And it copies the necessary scripts and libraries into your slash user slash local file structure. And then you can just run pyqso or you can create a launcher. In, in order to actually run it. Once you get it running, you get a nice graphical user interface. It's only got a couple of buttons up at the top. It's a pretty simple thing. You have to either create a new logbook or load an existing logbook. Once you've done that, each logbook can contain multiple logs. So if you're logging for a contest and general logging or multiple contests, or maybe you're logging specifically for DXCC or doing logs by band, or something like that, you can do that. You can have multiple logs per logbook. Uh, It organizes them nicely in tabs. You have a tool system, or you have a tool section in the bottom of the window that you can enable or disable. If it's enabled, you basically have uh, call sign tracking by area and band and mode. And then you also have the gray line capability, which I was not able to see because I wasn't using Python version 3. And then you also have a tab that has a DX tracker. So you can log into any of the DX trackers and uh, you'll have real-time DX chasing information right in your logger. And then once you do that, you have a couple of options up at the top. One is for setting preferences. And in that, you can set your station ID. You can set your default band. You can set your default mode. You can set your default frequency. And PyQSO is also HamLib enabled, so that if you have a rig connected and you have your rig properly configured in PyQSO, it will take the frequency information directly from your radio and populate the necessary fields in the logger. Uh, You can log information using your keystrokes. If you want to add an entry, you just type Control-R. You can tab through the fields and add the information as necessary. There's even a preference where you can set up your login for qrz.com if you use qrz.com and if once you enter a call sign if that call sign exists in qrz.com you push a button and it will populate most of the fields in your log entry with data resolved from qrz.com i am also going to talk to christian jacobs about adding or switching qrz.com integration with ham qth integration because I would love to have that functionality and I would love to integrate the PyQSO product with um, with Peter Hlozek's uh, HamQTH project because I have a real affinity for HamQTH and I don't necessarily want to be beholden to QRZ.com and I like the call sign lookup functionality 
I just think uh, we should be given the option of using HamQTH if we so desire. So anyway, you have that. So most of your fields can be populated, and then all you have to do is enter your RST uh, information, send and receive, and then your band mode, all the other information is already filled out for you. And it even keeps track of whether you have sent a QSL and received a QSL for any particular contact. It does keep uh, some basic analytics if you're chasing DXCC or worked all states or any other, you know, award tracking kind of things. It's simple enough that you could actually use it for contest logging. It does have dupe checking, but it doesn't have dupe checking like right at your fingertips. It's a drop down menu and you have to select it, but you could use this like for field day, for example, if you wanted to, um, because it, it does do dupe checking and it's, it's reasonable enough and it's fast enough for doing the data entry that it could be useful for some contests, but I would say it's not a general purpose contest logger. It's more of a just your average day-to-day logger. Uh, it looks good. It's simple. It's easy to use. And uh, I actually enjoyed using it. And I haven't actually sort of settled on a solution for contest logging. And I'm actually just sort of now getting into operating again as I'm getting my equipment back online. So I'm trying to think of a logger to use. And this is one I'm definitely going to take a closer look at because even though it's only version 0.2, it's actually quite functional, quite useful. Um, it does integrate with HamLive. It does have DX cluster functionality, and it does allow you to keep multiple simultaneous log files running so you have a very organized view of your QSO logs. It's an excellent program. I think you should check it out. And since it's written in Python, it's very easy to go in and debug and kind of look and see what's going on. And uh, I'm hoping to get Christian to maybe come on the show and talk about the product a little bit. And there's a few things I want to talk to him about, uh, feature requests and the thing about Python 3. But uh, for a very early version of a QSO logger, very functional, really cross-platform. I did not see any information readily available on his website which is, by the way, christianjacobs.uk slash pyqso that indicates what license this is released under. So that's another thing I'll have to bring up with him. And then one thing I forgot to mention is that it does allow for the import and export of file log information in a diff format. So uh, useful call, call sign logger. I like the fact that the call sign entry has a keystroke. So you can basically just keep your fingers on the keys all the time. You don't have to worry about mousing and stuff like that. Uh, really simple to use, and I'm definitely going to look at this going forward. So if you're looking for a logging application to uh, try, PyQSO might be the one for you. Updates to come on that. So I've probably lost everybody in the chat room. If anyone's even li- listening to the show, because I'm uh, we got dog problems and co-host problems and barnacle problems i am done with my barnacle problem well i was talking about me i wasn't talking about you yeah Yeah. you got your barnacle problem going all kinds of problems so anyway if uh, anyone wants to like wave from the chat room and tell us that you're still alive that would be helpful and uh whether that's the case or not i guess we're going to move on to the music (sighs) nice there you go oh ted's alive (laughs) excellent good to see you ted glad you could be with us oh and copycat's alive too how about that Multiple people alive in the chat room. So we're not killing people and taking brains. That's excellent. Anyway, I've, I've had enough of talking for at least a couple minutes. So with the, the discussion, the brief discussion of PyQSO, 
we are going to move on to the music segment for tonight. And this is actually kind of a cool little song. I found it not an hour ago before the show began on Jamendo, of course. It's a song called Guitar. Guitar. Is that what we say down here in the South? We ain't in the South. Well, we're kind of in the South. Depends on who you ask. I Around guess. here, it's a get fiddle. A get fiddle. That's one I have not heard. You've not heard that one. I have not one. heard get fiddle. You have no. been here for 15 years and you've not, have not heard, heard that heard yet. I have not heard one person say get fiddle ever. So. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. Okay. So, anyway, this is a song by guitar by a man named Elias Landulsi. I'm going to guess that's how you pronounce his name because I really don't know. And uh, it's too bad Pete's not here because this is yet another Canadian performer. He's from Montreal, which is his neck of the woods up in Quebec, Canada. This song comes from uh, May of 2008, so it's got a little bit of age on it, but it's still pretty good. It's uh, from the album My Perception, and as I've already said, I found it over on Jamendo. So we'll give this one a little bit of a spin. It's a little over three minutes long. Then we'll come back with some more of our program.
Not bad, not bad. Guitar by Elias Landusi, I guess. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that name. It's an unusual one, and I'm not sure if it's French or what, but it's it's out there. Anyway. I'm going to say it's French, since he's from Montreal. And, you know, you always make me do all the weird names through, like, Twitter and stuff, so I feel no mercy for you. No, that's okay. You don't have to have any mercy for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, interesting one. Anyway, we probably should move on with Ziprogram. Did you hear the little M-E at the end of program? Uh-huh. Okay, good. Let me get back to, like, what I was doing here. Oh, I'm so glad we're so professional about this friggin' show. So we move on from the music to segment four, which is announcements and feedback. So we'll start off with some feedback. How's feedback sound? Feedback sounds great. Feedback sounds great, good. This is actually a bit of feedback that I missed from the last episode, and it's about something we've already kind of talked about, but... Since we like to get through all of our feedback, I'm going to go ahead and and do this one, too. This one comes from Joel. I think it's Whiskey 3 Romeo Alpha Zulu, which I guess I should look up, right? That's what I should do to be correct. Mm -hmm. Let me go to my favorite website, hamqth.com, and look up uh, Whiskey 3 Romeo Alpha Zulu. And that's him. How about that? I got it awesome. All right. So that's Joel, Whiskey 3 Romeo Alpha Zulu. And uh, Joel writes from Google+, Plus, listening to the latest Linux in the Hamshack, LHS 140, Pete said Kenwood was based in the U.S. Oh, here we go again. Uh, They may have at one point, but the Oracle of Knowledge, Wikipedia, says Japan, and as we've already determined, uh, Kenwood was never based in the United States. It's always been a Japanese company. The parent is JVC Holdings, which is based in Japan. And as for U.S.-based ham companies, you have Tentec in Sevierville, Tennessee, Elecraft, MFJ from Mississippi, DX Engineering, from, uh, which owns Butternut, Corn Tech, and Cycle24, Universal Radio, mostly a store, but they also used to make radios, and so on and so forth. We've been down this road before, but I did want to acknowledge that Joel also gave us this information uh, because we were just plain wrong. So... Uh, we have, I think, done more than our share to correct the issue, and uh, we all know, and we'll all know for the future generations, that Kenwood is a Japanese company. So, go Japan. Oh, he also has a mention about uh, uh, Baofeng, now Pofeng, being from China, and there are other Chinese manufacturers of uh, equipment coming up in the world as well. And we're all well aware of those, because all the ham festers swamped with Chinese radios, because they're cheap and great. Uh, which will actually come back in a in a couple of stories here. Uh, but we also got a comment on episode number 142, which is the last episode from Jim, KG7FU, Kilo Golf 7, uh, Foxtrot Uniform. <laughs> it actually looks like something else. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> huh, go figure. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jim says, the Z Lima 2 Alpha Fox Papa mode reported on yields a Windows-only program. And while the source code is available, not being open source, I'm afraid it might be a while if ever a Linux binary were to appear. Now, I went and looked at this before the show because I was curious about the fact that the source code was available, but it wasn't, in fact, open source, which is true. Um, the source code is available, and the developer has encouraged people to use that source code to develop the uh, FSQ mode for other platforms, but he reserves the right to all of the code that's developed, which 
as Jim here says, means that no one is going to develop it. Once he actually decides to, once he, the developer, decides to actually release this code as open source, then other people might jump in and start developing code. But until that time, this is going to be a Windows-only application, even though the source code is, in fact, available currently. So we'll see what happens with that. For right now, source available, but not open source. And then he also says, I think you reported also on bandconditions.com in a previous episode or gave it a mention. Bandconditions.com is a hoax. Now, this one I don't get. I did some more research about bandconditions.com. I've been to the website several times uh, since we reported on this uh, last week. And every time I go to the site, it looks like a legitimate report on band conditions. There are active current news stories on the site. There are active, what look like reasonable reports of band conditions for various parts of the world. And this story I actually got from the Southgate Amateur Radio Club, which in the past has been a source for what I consider legitimate news stories that we have actually reported here on the program. So I'm not sure what Jim is saying here by this is a hoax because bandconditions.com certainly seems like a legitimate site. We got the news from what seems like a legitimate site. So I'm hoping that we get some further information on this and Jim can let us know what this hoax comment is all about because I don't, I don't understand. Anyway, Jim, KG7FU, thanks for writing and uh, glad you're a listener to the program. And uh, I look forward to hearing any future comments about uh, your comments. Let me look in the let me see if the chat room has anything to say about this particular story. No, they've all gone to sleep again. Ah, oh, so sad. So sad. <laughs> Just a minute ago, we mentioned in Joel's comment about the Bofong radio, which is interesting because as of last week, we finally finally got to over 500 Twitter subscribers. We finally reached the mark, which means that I've been saying for months now that when that happened, we were going to give away a Baofeng radio. And that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to take our current list of 502 Twitter followers. I'm going to go to a website in just a second on another computer because I can't do it at the one I'm on and pick a random Twitter follower to receive the Baofeng UV5R ham radio kit. Now this kit includes everything. It includes a dual band handy talkie, which is dual power, one watt and five watt. It has a speaker mic, instructions, programming disc, programming cable, power supply, battery, and charger. And that whole kit is going to be given to one lucky Twitter follower. So I'm going to have to take a second here, to uh, which you probably won't hear because it's going to be edited out in post. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go determine who that winner is, and I'm going to tell you who that winner is in just a few seconds. So, everybody who's listening live, sit tight. Yeah, you can listen to dogs bark while I'm doing this. Okay, so while Russ is doing that in regards to the uh, bandconditions.com website, I just went and looked up some information about it. Um, And one of the FAQs on their website uh, was asking, you know, how does it work? Where do you get the information for it? And the answer to the whole thing was, you know, that it has a patent, but without revealing too much, uh, the system operating in the background is called ISIS Gen 1 
on a spheric scanning inframetric inferometric, excuse me, system generation one. It's a suite of research instruments designed to study the upper layers of the ionosphere. Real-time numbers, data is mapped on computer models, modified for each band. Model data is then modified through a rule-based AI system. And a page is generated and sent to a web server every 30 seconds. Okay, I didn't hear any of that. You didn't hear any of you were standing right next to me. Well, I was doing other things, though. I, well, I'm not going to repeat myself, so. Is it a hoax or not? No, I don't think it is. No, I didn't think so either, at least in the research I did. Now that I'm back from the other side of the room, now that we know more about uh, bandconditions.com. Okay, what I did was I had my entire list of Twitter followers, all 502 of them for Linux in the Ham Shack. I had them on a spreadsheet in lines 1 through 502. I went to random.org and had it pick a random number, and the random number that's on the screen over there is 214. So I went to line 214 in the spreadsheet, and it came up as David Billsborough. KC4ZVW, Kilo Charlie 4, Z Victor Whiskey. So, David, you are the follower, the lucky follower, who just won a Baofeng UV5R ham radio kit. We have your website. We have a link to you via Twitter. So, we're going to get in touch with you. We will let you know that you've won. And uh, the, what we're going to do is this. Um, we know that not everybody needs a Baofeng handy talkie because lots of ham radio operators already have handy talkies and maybe they don't need one. Or want one. Or want one. So we're going to do, we're going to, when we get in touch with you, we're going to give you three options. One is you get the prize as stated. Two is we'll give you a $50 Visa gift card instead, which is the same, you know, basic value as the UV5R kit. Or, if you want to be magnanimous, you can have us redraw for someone else if you just don't want it and want to give it to somebody else. So, we'll let you have the option of doing one of those three things, and whatever option you pick, we'll do. You know, the only thing is, I hope you'll uh, mention us on Twitter or whatever and just say that you won the thing and let us know, you know, if you don't already have the radio and decide to use it, what you think of it. Uh, because I have not used any of these Chinese radios, and I'd really like to hear your review of it. So... Uh, I know I've heard lots of people say lots of good things about them. I'd like to hear uh, a personal story from a uh, contest prize winning. So anyway, thanks for following us over on Twitter. Thanks for all of our 502 followers. I hope we get many more as as time goes on. And congratulations to Dave Billsborough, KC4ZVW, for winning our Twitter contest. Yay! Yay! Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everybody, for uh, participating, and uh, look forward to hearing from you all on Twitter. So, back to, like, you know, stuff. We're done with all our news stories. We're done with our segments. We're done with our music. We're done with our announcements. We're done with the giveaway. And uh, that means we're down to Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Excellent. So. Whatever. (laughs) Take it away. I get to stop talking for a couple of minutes. Yay, this is good. Yeah, and don't cue up your little, you know, bat lamb sound either. Oh, what? (laughs) That? Yeah, don't because okay. I'm going to mention lamb here in a second. So, yeah, it's actually thanks. a goat, not a lamb. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't hang around the small farm animals. The big ones, those are the ones. So, anyway, um, this week in my recipe corner, we are going to. Uh, well, actually, we're we're celebrating St. Patty's Day tomorrow. Of course, it's going to be long gone by the time you guys hear this. 
But I am fixing shepherd's pie tomorrow night for dinner in celebration of St. Patty's Day. We missed pie day because we were out busy running errands. We didn't have any pie. Maybe next year. I don't know. But anyway, so this time is shepherd's pie. And shepherd's pie is usually made with ground lamb. But we don't do lamb. (laughs) Nice. Well, you didn't want me to do it, so I had to do it. (laughs) So we're going to use ground beef. Um, It's also got some onions, some garlic, uh, some beef gravy, which you can either do the canned or jarred stuff, or you can make your um, some peas and carrots and Worcestershire sauce and mashed taters on the top. So and if you want to be really fancy and go completely out of the box, you can put some shredded cheddar on your taters when they're about done. Ooh, shredded cheddar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know how out of the box that is. It sounds good, though. Typical shepherd's pie, you don't see cheese on the top. Just because it's typical doesn't mean it's better. No, I'm not saying it's better. Okay. I'm saying the cheese on the top is, of course, going to make it better. Well, yes, because but cheese makes everything better. That's the reason why we go through pounds of it. <laughs> so, between that and butter. So, Russ accuses me of channeling Paula Dean when I cook Christmas dinner and stuff. So, anyway. But if you're interested in the recipe, it will be in the show notes whenever Harrison gets around to getting that all taken care of. He seems to be much more on the ball lately than he has been. So the show notes seem to be popping up rather frequently. This is is very good. Yes. He's a good boy. Excellent. It is excellent. Yes. Yes. We get to hear Mr. Burns a lot in this episode. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so yes. So get your Irish on and take a look at this recipe. Of course, it'll be after St. Patrick's Patrick's Day. Day. But, you know, there's a St. Patrick's Day every year, you know. That's so true. you could do this next year, or you could just do shepherd's pie anytime, because for me, I love shepherd's pie, and I would eat it pretty much anytime. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, your shepherd's pie and bangers and mash. Bangers and, and mash. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> we need to get John Ronan on here, EI7IG, and just talk about all the Irish food, and we'll all sit here and drool and wish we lived in Ireland. Okay. Plus, they have good whiskey. Well, yes, you, Yeah. You'll so. you'll be having a glass of that whiskey probably with dinner tomorrow night. So cool, sounds good. Maybe why Are we, am I getting a present because we don't actually no. have any Irish whiskey? No, right as you now. already say, we don't have any. I'll have to make a run to the liquor <laughs> store. Well, I don't know. It sounds like it might be worth doing. All right. So anyway, check you do out have Guinness though. Yes, I do have some Guinness. Although, yeah, yeah, you could do something right. Guinness and Bailey's, it, it's all Irish. It's good. Go for it. It's yeah. good. That's right. Ireland has brought us many, many fine things. Mm-hmm. Food and drink. So moving on from the recipe corner, check that out. And uh, like was already said, information will be in the show notes. And if you happen to make this shepherd's pie and like it, let us know. We'd like to hear from you about it. So let's move on to our last little bit of business before we move on for the week and or fortnight. Sorry, it's you know yeah. it's already stuck yeah. in my head week, but it's actually <laughs> going to be two weeks between this one and the next one. So uh, we've got our social media roundup, and that's your department. So hit it. Yay! Yay. All righty then. So this week uh, we didn't have any donations. Well, of course, it's only been a week. It's only so, been a week. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on Facebook, Joey Oliver. Michael Thomas Angelo, Terry Smith, and Larry Brown liked us. On Google Plus, we had VA2XMX, Petro K, Jason Bailey, and Richard Morton. On Twitter, we had KC9YFH, DMMCCOLLOM. I'm going to go with DM McCollum on that one. Yeah, probably. Ian Con 1. 
I'm guessing. Uh, WJ4A, uh, the peon. I love that. <laughs> KC8RWR, EA8CMW, M0HSL, and Ryan Slayer. On YouTube, Ryan Russell and Dacebur. Uh, probably D A Sieber. People yeah. like to do, you know, initials and last names. So yeah, I, I think that I like the Ryan Slayer and then followed up by Ryan Russell. I'm trying to figure out if the guy's name is Ryan Slayer or if he's the Ryan Slayer. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> nice. So. <laughs> and that's it. No, no mailing list people, no merchandise people. Nobody likes your stuff anymore. You're going to have to come up with some other I know. Stuff. We need to come up with some new stuff, but we'll see. Anyway, that's it. I think we've managed to get through the entire show. We did pretty well with uh, without a co-host yet again, and even though we only had a week in between the last show and this one. Sorry to say that we won't be out at Hamvention this year, but I do hope that uh, everybody who does manage to get out to Hamvention this year has a great show, uh, and I do hope that we get a chance to be out there again in 2016. Yep. With that, I guess I'm going to press the outro button and we'll go ahead and uh, start doing the outro. And look, there's music. Yay! So, uh, this has been episode number 143 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I have been your co host, Russ K5TUX. And that's been Cheryl over there. <laughs> well, you're just going to chuckle and. Uh, uh, I will use you point across the table at me. You're over there. Hi. (laughs) Or bye. Yeah. So you can become an ambassador for Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, You could do us a favor and be an ambassador for us up at Hamvention since we won't be there. For information about that, you can uh, email ambassador at lhspodcast.info. Or you could do it at another show or another uh, Linux convention sometime during the year. Just send us uh, an email and we'll fill you in on all the information. You can also send us feedback at info at lhspodcast.info or at our voicemail line, 1909LHSshow. That's 1909-547-7469. Somebody's always in our Freenode IRC chat channel on the Freenode network at Pound LHS Podcast. You can go ahead and subscribe to our mailing list. You can buy merchandise from us at cafepress.com or at Printfection. Both of those are slash LHS podcast. You can also help out the show by becoming a paid subscriber or by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the website. And all of this information can be found at lhspodcast.info. That's the clearinghouse for information about our program. You want to know something? Go there. Our show airs every other Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, give or take, which is 0200 Zulu time early on Tuesday mornings. Our recording schedule and our countdown timer are, you guessed it, on the website. So thank you to all of our listeners, past, present, and future. We enjoy each and every one of you, and we especially enjoy hearing from you. So please send us some feedback. And this has been Russ. And Cheryl broadcasting live to tape from Studio 3D in the southwest Missouri, no longer in the foothills of Arkansas's Piney Mountains. Anyway, we'll catch you in two weeks' time. So, from Linux in the Ham Shack to you, have a good one, folks.
bring more vodka.